Hey, John. Yeah? What kind of pants does Mario wear? What kind of pants do Mario does Mario wear? Denim, denim, denim. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Red Raccoon Ga- Radio. Oh my gosh, I'm so thrown off. That is just, it was too perfect a segue. I did not have all my notes up. This is horrible. This is a great start. I'm so glad we're doing this. Hello, uh, welcome. Thank you for already sticking with well, us. We were talking this. about something serious. I knew I needed to throw you off your game and we, get you focused back on something I ridiculous. Was so ready. I thought I was prepared, <laughs> and turns out I am not. Uh, okay, uh, let's try this one more time. Hello, and welcome to Red Raccoon Radio, your source for tabletop gaming news in Bloomington, Illinois, and beyond. I'm your host, Jonathan Parrott, and with me today is just Jamie. Hello, everybody. Uh, I'm over here with bad jokes loaded and ready to go. He is prepared in a way that I have never seen him before, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Uh, So, we've been having a few Just Jamie episodes lately, and that's because we're still trying to work through where's the best location for us to actually record this. Yeah. Uh, Our super secret location has changed multiple times. It has been my house. It has been the game shop. It has been the new shop. It has been uh, all over the place. We were above Bloomington Spice Works for a while. We, we did were. a bunch of them up there. That is true. Uh, and unfortunately... Those ones got to... hot. That was in the summertime and there was no air conditioning up there. That ones got hot. We had to make some some very big decisions about <laughs> like, can we record today or will we just go into hallucinations? It was kind of a choice. I think it was like 90-something up there one time. We were trying Oh, to... it was nuts. We were yeah. sweating profusely but let's turn that fan on is it so loud can they hear it through the microphones if we turn the fan on i don't care just turn it on (laughs) we are planning that as the new store gets developed out once we get some more livable spaces down there that'll probably become more of a a mainstay home for us especially with the private rooms that are coming this is my goal man this is my goal i'm gonna get some uh, sound sound panels to put up on the walls in there to make it so that people who are playing games in there have a little bit more you know, we don't want them to put them in an echo chamber. No, so. not at all. But I do know if you've been into the shop and you've tried to play something while somebody else is trying to play something downstairs, the sound is just, it's not horrible. You can do it. But obviously, if there was a private room option, I would rent it every single time. So yeah. I am super excited about this possibility. Well, and I was just there, right? So um, it's Sunday. We always, almost always record these on Sundays, but usually we do them pretty early. But I was just there because today we had a jigsaw puzzle tournament, and the basement was completely packed. And Katie was like, it's so loud down here. And I'm like, just wait until the puzzle tournament starts. It's going to get super quiet. And and so, you know, we're like, five, four, three, two, one, go. And then, like, it got super quiet, and, like, you could feel the intensity. The intensity just ratcheted up as they ripped open the boxes and ripped the bags open and got the pieces. And, Yeah. The winning team finished in 35 minutes. Holy cow. On a 500-piece puzzle. Dang. That's pretty fast. The slowest team was one hour and 26 minutes, which is still pretty fast for a 500-piece puzzle. Yeah, well, you don't enter the contest thinking that you're going to be the slowest of all time. Like, you're you're in it to win it. Yeah, but... yeah exactly. Exactly. So, that was fun. It was funny. A little, a little bit of crazy entertainment for the day. So, that's obviously happening today. What else happened this week that uh, has been going on at the shop? Uh, today was also the launch of a new campaign that's starting. It's going to run on Sundays for um, Dragonlance. And there's a Tomb of Annihilation campaign going on. 
Um, and this week was, well, actually not this week, but last Friday was the release of the new Pokemon set. You, mm-hmm. you, you give me a hard time that every time we talk there's a Pokemon set. And that's because there's a Pokemon set always coming out. It seems every two weeks I get another adjective and another adverb and somehow they're jammed together in order to make some sort of Pokemon set. This was the first wave of three for Pokemon's Crown Zenith set. Mm-hmm. There we go. And um, we're sold out. We don't have anything left. I've been trying to get it from any other store, and they just keep laughing at me like, yeah, right, no, we're not giving you any Crown Zenith. Um, And I found out this week, and I was trying to figure out what's going on because Pokemon is drying up everywhere. We're having a hard time finding Pokemon. And um, I found out that there is a cardstock shortage again. Really? A couple of years ago, there was, you know, we were in COVID, and it was kind of hard getting cardstock with all the shipping issues. And Pokemon Company went out and bought all the card stock that was available in America, which then caused Magic to have some shortages because they couldn't get card stock because Pokemon had just bought it all. And then now Hasbro went, haha, you're not doing that to us again. So Hasbro bought up all the card stock and now Pokemon can't get any card stock. So um, Crown Zenith is sold out at, at pretty much every store in central Illinois, I think. And um, and we, there's nowhere to buy it. We're trying to get anything we can get. Um, there is another wave of some products coming, but the ETBs, the Elite Trainer boxes that everybody wants, gone. Hmm. Can't get it anywhere. Interesting. So that happened in the last week. Um, and coincidentally, we have sold a lot of non-Dungeons & Dragons role-playing game systems this week. Well, that's shocking. It's like you're reading ahead of time what news I'm going to be bringing up today. Because <laughs> uh, we got some Pokemon news and we got some not D&D news about D&D. So. Yes, yes. Uh, so a lot of that going on this week. And um, I don't know, it was kind of a weird week with the weather, right? So yeah. It got super cold again and we had some snow and we had some ice and throwing a lot of salt outside and... Um, so the, the store was actually fairly calm most of the week because everybody was inside going, I'm not going anywhere. I don't have to. Mm-hmm. So, it, you know, but that's what we expect in January because January also turns into a, oh, my God, I just got the credit card bill. What the heck did I do in December? And so we, we, we don't see some of our folks for a few weeks until February when they're like, yes, my income tax return check just came through. Now, <laughs> here we go. There's Give that thing everything. I've been looking for, and now I have the money for that thing. Give me Frost Haven. Yes. <laughs> Frost Haven's still not at the store. So many questions on Frost Haven. It was supposed to have shipped uh, a week and a half ago now at this as, as the time. I think last time we recorded, I said it's supposed to be here next week. No, it has not even shipped yet. There's something going on, and we're trying to figure out what's going on. And what we heard from Cephalofair on Frosthaven is that they're shipping from the smallest orders to the biggest orders. So individual backers already got theirs. Most of them should have gotten theirs by now. And then now they're filling in all the stores, and stores that only ordered a few have already got theirs. And apparently with us ordering two pallets worth of Frosthaven puts us into the we ordered a bunch category and us and all the other bigger retailers are waiting for their frost haven to show up how dare you try and provide for your community i know right well we have i had to get two pallets because we have like 40 something people who pre-ordered and are waiting for it and so uh one thank you to anybody who pre-ordered it and we appreciate you very much and we will get you yours as soon as possible so 
Well, I will say... kind of some of the bigger stuff going on this week. Yes, that kind of leads us into uh, what was on our tables this week, because actually, I I individually ordered Frosthaven. Uh, You can shame me later. Uh, So I did receive it actually on my birthday. Uh, We have cracked open the box. My wife, who is the ultimate organizer of board games, broke a little, I think, trying to get her head wrapped around everything. (laughs) We do have the rule book out. Uh, I am now trying to re-review it. Um, because it's been a while since I played Gloomhaven, uh-huh. and wow, you forget how meaty that game is. And it's a lot of stuff going it's on. So much stuff going on, and the box is twice as big. I feel as Gloomhaven. Uh, it, it is it's significantly close. bigger. Yeah. It's close. Gloomhaven had a shipping weight of twenty three pounds, and Frosthaven has a shipping weight of thirty five pounds. So, I was ex- I was explaining something the other day though that as big as that game is, they still made a purposeful effort to make sure that it fit into an IKEA Collax. Yes. Because so many people in the board game world use IKEA Collax shelving to keep their stuff organized. So Cephalofair purposely made sure the box fit into one cube on a Collax. Send your thank you letters to Cephalofair at cephalofair.com. No. Yeah. Um but actually, it, it is a still beautiful game. They did a lot of great art on it. Um, I, I haven't gotten to download the Assistant app yet. I think that I'm supposed to get a code for that from my pre-order, and I just haven't connected all the dots there. But I am very curious to see how that's going to translate out in the future. But other than that, has been it has been on my table, but has been taking up my table. There hasn't been anything <laughs> else to do on that table. Um, so, Jamie, has, have you actually gotten to play anything lately? You know, since the last time we um, we did a podcast, the only game that I played was Space Base. I ended up, I was at a friend's birthday party. He, he Every year on his birthday, he does a three-day board game extravaganza. And um, at Saturday afternoon, I made it over there for a few hours to hang out with everybody and ended up teaching with Chris, who used to work at the store, the two of us taught three new people how to play Space Base. Mm-hmm. I just love Space Base. It's still in my top five um, games of all time, and I've talked about it all the time. It's just such a clean and simple game, and uh, I actually won, so that was nice. <laughs> that was nice. <laughs> that, that can't it's always any a good part thing, in right? it. It's have always you, a good thing when you, you get to play a game that you love and you win. Have you played the campaign expansion for Space Base? I have not. It I is, have it. I have not played it yet. As a person who enjoys Space Base as much as you do, that is a crime. You need to get on that. I it's know. I know. I did get a chance. I got another good chunk of the uh, of my Dragonlance book read, so working my way through that as well. Uh, really enjoying that one as well. So I know that you were looking forward to it quite a bit. You, you have a lot of love for that universe. I know. I know. It's it, it's That's where I really... Um, got invested in kind of this this world of, of Dungeons and Dragons, right? Because when I was a kid, my mom got me the original Dungeons and Dragons red box for Christmas. I think it was 83. I was like seven or eight years old. She had no idea what this thing was other than it had a dragon on the cover and she knew I liked King Arthur and dragons, right? So she yep. gets me this set. She had no idea it was filled with Satan. No idea. Well, yeah, we had the <laughs> satanic panic happen, you know, and she said... You know this is just a game, right? I said, yeah, I know it's just a game. She's like, okay, good. Good talk. Covered. That was it. Um, 
But then, um, you know, I didn't really have anybody to play with. My siblings were like, no, we're not playing. So I made all these dungeons on graph paper. I don't even know how many pieces of quarter-inch uh, graph paper I made dungeons with. I had hundreds of characters, but nobody to play with because I grew up in a farm town, right? And not like there was a lot of options. But my grandmother was a voracious reader, and she would only read a book one time, and it was always those Harlequin romance novels. Yes. And she would let me take all her books after she read them to the used bookstore and trade them in. And that's where I discovered the Dragonlance books, mm. is trading in grandma's uh, romance novels to the, the used bookstore in Kankakee to get science fiction books. And I ended up stumbling into Dragonlance and the original trilogy. And that's kind of now, and I, I own, I think, most of the Dragonlance books and most of the Forgotten Realms books. That's how much my grandmother read and how many books I had to trade in. <laughs> so, you had to recycle. Yeah, yeah. So that, that was what it really, really came from, was the uh, used bookstore in Kankakee that was open in the late 80s. Well, Jamie, I don't know if, if you're aware of this, but Dungeons and Dragons has been in a little bit of hot water lately. I don't know if There's you're... been a couple of news articles yeah, going on. There's been some up. stuff out there. I'm not sure. But actually, about this. for one episode, we're not directly going to talk about Dungeons and Dragons. No. We're going to talk about some of the competitors to Dungeons and Dragons, which are feeding the fire of people looking for alternatives uh, in the role-playing space. I have had many conversations in the last two weeks about, here are all these other game systems and kind of what they're about and how they work. And we've sold many copies of... We're, like, we're out of uh, Delta Green right now, right? Delta Green is X-Files, X-Files and meets Cthulhu yep. kind of a thing. Yep. Um, I think we're almost out of Call of Cthulhu again. We've already restocked once. All the starter boxes are gone, right? And that's just straight up, like, can you stop Cthulhu? Uh, Paizo is in the news. Um, Pathfinder and Starfinder, we've seen more interest in those systems since before COVID. So... We got a restock order in Thursday, but most of it was already slated for special orders. So I think only one copy of the Pathfinder Core rulebook actually made it to the floor because everything else was already just to cover special orders. So we're ordering more of that again, except for Paizo is out of Core rulebooks. And uh, one of the guys that I know in the industry is the director of channel sales for game stores. And I said, hey, Mike, what's going on? He's like, We've sold more copies of Pathfinder. We sold. They they told they told everybody, and he told me, and then it came out in an article that they went through an what they would consider an eight month supply of Pathfinder books in two weeks. Yep. So everybody is trying to find the alternative system that they're going to play. And I was talking to uh, Jeff yesterday. Here's the tricky part. I've played a lot of Pathfinder. I enjoy Pathfinder, but Pathfinder is not great for beginners. This is my opinion, right? Because the way that they market Pathfinder 2 is having fun playing D&D, come to us when you're ready for more. More characters, more Classes. classes, more subclasses, more spells, more equipment, more armor, more feats, more... And it's great. You can you can customize your character to do anything in Pathfinder. It's I, yesterday I told somebody it's like the difference between an iPhone and an Android phone. On an iPhone, you're very much locked into Apple says this is how you're going to do this. End of discussion. 
And in an Android phone, you can customize everything. You want to, you know, Android to be like, you want to switch your um, keyboard to this one that's written in Chinese? Great, go ahead. Just don't complain to us if you can't figure out how to switch it back because you can't read anything anymore. You know, they'll let you customize everything in an uh, Android. And it's that's, that's Pathfinder to me. That's, you can customize everything to the point where new players you can send them into analysis paralysis of like there's there's too many options and i think that that is something that is going to possibly have a lashback effect in the near future because this is not something that is only relegated to your store this has been news articles that i've been seeing TikTok is blowing up with people talking about alternatives to dungeons and dragons and what you can play uh, and I and I am happy that there is so much love now going out to these other systems, um, when you know D and D has been the Google of of TTRPG for a long time. You know, you you play D and D whenever you really mean RPG. We've talked about that before, but I am now going to be curious that people are going to branch out and they're going to do all of these things. But then, if this Dungeons and Dragons movie is halfway decent. And yeah. people overcome their bias for, for what has happened, which... Well, here's the thing. Uh, on all these conversations we're having, we have not sold, we've seen any dip in sales for Dungeons & Dragons products. Interesting. None. So the same two-week period where we're having all these conversations about all these other systems, D&D sales have not dropped at all. Same, same pace as, it, as it's been for about the last 18 months, right? So nothing has changed. And it goes back to, I think that most people have no idea that this controversy is even happening. Yes. Our diehard players, our people that are really invested, people that are on TikTok that happen to subscribe to D&D channels are, are aware of what's going on. But I think that like 99% of our customer base has no idea that this is happening right now. They're just looking to play games. I just want to have fun, have fun and play games. And I will say that Hasbro is trying to be very quiet about what they are continuing to do. They, they have come out and said, we're putting all the rules and said Creative Commons, it's safe. They are still rolling out with the golden keys, and it was a very, no pun intended, low-key announcement uh, about yeah. its release and the information coming from it. I'm still excited about it. I still want to play that. And I think that, in my mind, it is not the people that dreamed of going to work for Wizards of the Coast to work on D&D projects that made these decisions that has hurt everybody. No. It's not the developers that... There's been some leaks out there of people saying that this was a backlash nobody was expecting. The The developer community, the developers inside of Hasbro, inside of Wizards of the Coast that are specifically tasked to D&D, none of them were consulted on this. They found out like hours before this all went down. They said, this is going to be bad. This is what's going to happen. You know, some executives were like, yeah, whatever. We think this is going to work. Nobody's even going to pay attention to this. And I think that the executives were just, well, they were just flat out wrong. They were, just, this was an epic fail. And it should be laid right at the feet of uh, Chris Cow, right? And all these news stories about him came out saying he didn't ask anybody. He, he doesn't even play D&D. He thinks that. Um, you know, his background in coming from Microsoft and the Xbox platform is enough. And the games that he has played are enough. He understands gamers. And it, it some of the stories and some of the quotes that I've seen come out about him kind of remind us, it reminds me of when 3.5 was the popular choice and they announced 4.0 and that massive backlash that we had. 
and and I we said we weren't going to talk about D and D, but we're talking about D and D. Um, this massive backlash that they had that really gave Pathfinder its start. Yeah, you know, because it was again executives looking around saying we think that the biggest competition on the market is World of Warcraft, and so they made D and D four a competitor to World of Warcraft. And this fast-paced, kind of crazy action, lots of feats, but they were trying to make it so that it was action-based, kind of like a video game. And players said, no, when we want to play a video game, we're going to play a video game. When it's time for D&D, we want D&D. And it, it feels very much like this, where executives made decisions that they just weren't asking anybody yep. what was going on. And mind you, all of this comes from a leak. This was not something that Hasbro was even ready to present to people yet. It was going to companies and saying, hey, we're thinking about this, and one of those companies... Somebody leaked it. Somebody leaked it, and let it be known that this is what they were planning. Now, it could have been this was just for a conversation topic, and it could have been more of a, a debate that they wanted to have with people to see what they could actually narrow down to. I'm not going to say... That, I know I'm a corporate apologist on this podcast, but I'm not going to say that they had only the best intentions of creating this thing. But I do hope that people realize that D&D, there's still, it's one of those things where the people who are fans of it are now the people who are running it. Yeah. And, and much like we're seeing like in Star Wars now, the people that grew up with Star Wars are the people that are running Star Wars. And there's some really amazing, fascinating things coming out of that. And I just hope that we don't punish the people who are passionate for the product that are working on the product because of some executive decisions that have been made. I believe that backlash is important. I'm glad we did it. But let's not forget that there are people there that wanted to make these golden keys, and which is the next book, and make it good for people. They wanted to put in the best art, the best ideas. Keys and, to the golden vault. Excuse me, keys to the golden vault. Yes, yeah. Well, and here's an interesting thing. Let's let's also in the news that ties into this at least somewhat is that Hasbro just laid off 15% of their workforce. That is true. Because. We've talked on this podcast that the, when they reported their Q3 results, they said somebody said that D&D was under monetized. We talked about that quite a bit. Well, now here we are. We're coming towards Q4 results, and early warnings say that Hasbro had a disappointing fourth quarter for their Nerf and uh, My Little Pony and Transformer lines. And that the Wizards of the Coast line, which is Magic and uh, D&D, is one of the only profitable business segments they have. So they made adjustments. They laid off 15% of the workforce. And it's going to be an interesting investor call coming up, I think, in just a few weeks. Mm -hmm. So we'll, we'll see what happened. And, and I bet you this it gets talked about quite a bit during that investor call. It's starting to make it into mainstream now because of this. Um, NPR did an entire show on it of, of all this OGL stuff uh, just a few days ago. CNBC's done some articles on it. And uh, Hasbro stock lost 8% of its value on Friday, two days ago. going to be interesting to see how this all plays out. Yep. As uh, you know, one of my favorite quotes would be, bold move, Cotton. See yeah. how it works out for him. The OGL. Oh, one more update. One last. I read an article. I'm not sure if you saw this one. Uh, Fifty thousand D and D Beyond accounts were have been canceled. Yep. Fifty thousand paid D and D Beyond accounts were canceled, and those folks were on average paying 19.99 a month. That's one million dollars a month. In poof, gone. 
Yes. Now, there is one caveat to that that I want to bring up, and that is you cannot turn your subscription back on for D&D Beyond. It's a weird process, but let's say that you're subscribing to D&D Beyond and for some reason your card doesn't go through one time. You have to actually resubmit uh, an item to resubscribe to D&D Beyond. It still remembers all of your information, but it's not like a simple, oh, let me just put in a different credit card or something along those lines. So I, I do believe that there were that many that were deleted, but I'd be very curious to also then see the numbers of how many new subscriptions they made throughout this time period as well. That's interesting. Yeah. I have heard that the, the subscription cancellation process was kind of painful. It is. A lot of people were really unhappy. Like, how is this so hard to cancel for something? It just That just sounds like bad programming. Then. Or good, you know evil marketing in a way yeah. where if you kind of like trying to, trying to cancel your uh, cable TV when you're trying to go cordless right exactly. trying to cancel that is a pretty painful process as well right exactly so okay yeah good, good and, news and, and, I, and I'd be just curious to see how much of a oh this okay you guys put this in the OGL I'll go ahead and resubscribe now or oh my game is coming up now I'll go ahead and resubscribe so I'm ready to go for my game um, I, I think that initial backlash was important, but I'd just be interested in those numbers. Um, so, well, Can I transition us on to something else? Oh, please do. So you mentioned Star Wars earlier. I did. And uh, one of my favorite um, uh, memes kind of popped in my mind as soon as you said about fans running the show now. Because there's a meme out there of uh, Dave Fioni, uh, Filoni, Filoni and John Favreau playing with Star Wars as kids. Like, ah, they've yep. got their miniatures and banging them together. And, of course, uh, Favreau reinvigorated everybody with The Mandalorian, right? Yes. Season three is coming out. But specifically, backing up from Star Wars is switching over to Disney. Because one of the big things that happened this week that I didn't mention earlier is we got a ton of additional news about Disney Lorcana. Now, for those of those that don't know, Jamie, fill people in on why they should be excited. So, Lorcana, is, or Lorcana, I mean, we're in Illinois, so we say Anna. Anna. Lorcana. It's my aunt. Um, Lorcana is the a new trading card game that Disney is putting out. None of us have a whole lot of details on it, so we've, no. got, we've got some more details. We know that the official launch date is now going to be um, August 18th. We... In looking at the product announcements that are coming out, it take it looks very much like they're going to take the Pokemon route of packaging and marketing. They've got starter decks, they've got boxes, they've got packs, they've got what looks like similar to an Elite Trainer box from Pokemon. They've got all the same stuff. They've got deck boxes they've announced, they've got packs of card sleeves they've announced, they've got binders. So they're... When, when Lorcana was originally spoiled, like last September 2022, everybody was super stoked because they, they announced it at D23, the big Disney convention, and they did some really exclusive cards. I think, like, it wasn't very many sets. It was, like, 300 sets of these cards that they sold, and those cards have, the prices have skyrocketed because of demand. Um, to some of the cards are selling on eBay currently for over $1,000 a piece. Um so we they made this big splash. They said, we're coming. We're making another trading card game. And store owners went, great, another trade. Every 
pretty much every trading card game that's not Magic, Pokemon, and Yu-Gi-Oh! has failed. There's some of them that are hanging on, and we got a really cool Digimon re-envisioning, and Digimon's doing pretty good right now, and and One Piece just put out their first box set, and the, the people that follow One Piece are so into it that it's sold out everywhere. They weren't expecting demand. But, you know, do people get lose interest because they can't get any One Piece? It's just stuck in that middle place there. We've seen those fall like Flesh and Blood, like uh, Keyforge, which... Star Wars um, uh, all, Destinies, the All dice the versions game. of Star Wars that have not yeah. done well. And, and it's, it's if you can't get enough product into people's hands for that initial demand. And that's really what game stores are worried about with Lorcana because this looks like it is going to be... First of all, the artwork is simply amazing. It is very much themed, if you're familiar, with kind of the Mirrorverse version of some of these characters where they might be classic characters, but then they're given kind of a, a combat edge to them. So, for example, there is Mickey the Tailor, but instead of just being a tailor who makes clothes, he's got like a sword that looks like a sewing needle, mm -hmm. uh, and he's ready for combat in that way. So it's very much reimagining of these characters. The art on it looks fantastic. They, they spent their time on it. They, they've really looked, and, and the packaging and everything, they're coming and they're making a full court press. And so the amount of interest we've had people expressing in the last week has been sky high. They are, they're, they're telling retailers that there's going to be a full marketing campaign. We know that there's going to be some product that's going to be available for sale at Gen Con. Don't know how much. Gen Con, of course, is going to be two weeks before the official launch of the game. And, and everybody wants to know what I know. And I've pretty much told you everything I know at this point. We don't know pricing. Can I place pre-orders now? I don't even know what this is going to cost. I, I'm guessing it's going to be in the Pokemon realm of a $4.50 to $5 per pack. And a starter deck is probably going to be somewhere around $17, $18 because that seems to be the sweet spot that works for Pokemon. But that's me guessing. Let this be a reminder that this is coming from the same company that somehow kept Baby Grogu, Baby Yoda, secret for years on end. But immediately, as soon as after that first episode of Mandalorian launched, they had all of the merchandise ready to go that you could order. Well, this is Disney, and Disney and their NDAs, they don't screw around. That's right. Right. So it could be, we, we just don't know what to expect. Yeah. I do have a friend who has a store that was a beta test location for Larkana. And he can't even give me details because he's like, nah, NDA, man. Yeah. He's like, I'm allowed to tell you that I was a beta cast location and that my kids that played had a great time and my adults that played had a great time. And that's pretty much everything I'm allowed to tell you at this point. I can tell you more later, but by the time I tell you more, it's going to be available news everywhere. And that phone call was probably recorded within the Epcot Center in the giant <laughs> wall of audio recordings that, that they keep That's guessing. where their secret base is, oh, like underneath the Epcot Center? Where else? <laughs> Epcot uh, Center's really just a giant radar dish. Yep. Uh, sirens are on our end, by the way. Sorry about that. Oh, yeah. I've totally had that happen in other people's podcasts. Like, oh, my God, am I getting pulled over? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't. We always need to say that more. I, I wasn't expecting it. But, yes. Um, so yeah, Lorcana does look like it's awesome. We still don't even know how it's going to play. We assume yeah. that it's, you know... I know that there's going to be six colors in them. They call them inks. So Magic has five, plus colorless. Uh, Pokemon has... I don't even know how many Pokemon has. There's, it's like seven or eight if it's the different types of Pokemon. Yeah, Electricity, Grass, Stone, Fighting, Psychic, Metal, dragon. Dark, Dragon... 
I try and think of all the Fairy. EVs. The EVs are the way that I normally try and try. Yeah, well, there's eight EVs. There's, okay. Yeah. I, I don't think there's a dragon EV, so. But I think dragon and fairy, they might have said that they're officially retiring those. Oh, interesting. I don't know. I have to double check on that one. That's an, that's another segue topic right there. So we're done talking. If we got, you know, if people have specific questions about Lorcana, I'll try to answer it. But, man, I... I don't have a lot of details yet. Right into the podcast. Right in all of your questions. We will answer none of them because we don't have any answers. <laughs> um, but it will be nice to get more mail. Yeah. All right. So, yes, as far as Pokemon news is concerned, an interesting turn of events that I had no idea was going on has come to an end today. Or this week. And that is with the Pokemon Kadabra. Yeah. I had actually heard that story before. You never heard this one before? This was brand new to me until I read this article. Because Now, I don't play the Pokemon card game. I am familiar with Kadabra, though. I was Pokemon Blue. I got my Squirtle. I went out into the world. Did I become a Pokemon Master? No. Did I really enjoy playing that game and played a lot of it? Absolutely, I did. Uh, did one of my friends like sit on me and erase my game one time? Absolutely. <laughs> was that scarring? I'm talking about it now. Uh, but, however... Kadabra is a psychic Pokemon. He's a mid-level of evolution, so you have you know that middle of a three-tier system, and apparently, his he was based around an actual living person yeah. who took some offense to his likeness being used without monetary. Yuri Geller, yes. still claims that he is the person who invented the phrase Abracadabra. I don't know if he did or didn't. Maybe he did. I, I don't know, but he still makes that claim. And he sued Pokemon Company because one of his famous things that he would do is he said he could use his mind to bend spoons. And, of course, Kadabra is always holding spoons in the artwork. Yep. I didn't realize. So I knew that the lawsuit had happened, but I didn't realize until uh, I was reading this article that Kadabra hasn't been printed on a card for 21 years. Mm -hmm. I didn't know it had been that long. It actually gets even worse than that because in the Japanese version of Kadabra, uh, his name is Younger, and it's very close enough to Geller's name that he takes that as somewhat as a direct pointing at him. So it's not even just the use of the word Abracadabra. He felt like they were actually targeting him by name in this set. So... The, he has not been able to do this. I mean, they've not been able to print him on a card for years. I assume he's been missing from the video games as well. I'm assuming the lawsuit doesn't just stop there. I just had no idea. But apparently that is now coming to an end because of the millions of fans that have wrote into him, as well as his own granddaughters, saying that this is something you just... You need to take flattery more from this than try and win this fight. Yeah, well, I, I can attest that he uh, Kadabra is in Pokemon Go. Okay, so he's in he's in Pokemon Go. That's I did the other that video games. Cards. I'm not sure if he's in any of the other games or not. I'm not sure. Maybe it was a specific piece of artwork. Or yeah, something. I don't. But know. But basically, uh, yeah, Yuri Geller has said, "My you, the players, and my granddaughters convinced me that I was wrong on this one. I'm really sorry about it." And um, I'm happy to see that Kadabras can be reunited with the original Pokemon in a card game this summer. So that's pretty cool. I mean, yeah. it's it's not always easy to admit you were wrong, right? When you you take an approach to something, he took it as he was being made fun of, and in reality, they were trying to celebrate a whole bunch of illusionists and psychics from all over the world, and he just didn't take it that way. Exactly. And to be fair, 
when you're on the outside looking in at some of our hobbies, you can totally understand why people don't always digest it if they don't have a certain mindset. I mean, Dungeons and Dragons to people that don't understand the game just looks like people talking at a table, and that's, you know, sometimes rolling dice. But when you're really in it, it's a totally different mindset, and we are so happy to see more and more people taking that leap uh, and understanding our world more, and this is kind of a nice little odd to, oh, I get it now, okay. There's, people care about this, and me being connected to it is a good thing. So Now, the other piece of news that's, that's coming out, or just came out too, is you know we're in the run-up right now. We talked about Crown Zenith came out, but the next set is coming out soon, and it's named after the video game, so it's going to be called Scarlet and Violet. And the one piece of news coming out with that that people might not have seen is Pokemon announced a price increase. And they said that with inflationary pressures and all the stuff that's going on, we have to make some adjustments. So Magic had done it a couple of years ago. Pokemon Company has been holding out, trying to keep the price where it was. And they are unfortunately saying, you know, we can't do it this way anymore. We're having to increase. And they announced a, basically an increase of 50 cents per pack. So it's about, you know, a 10% increase in the prices. Um, actually, I think the article specifically said 12.5% increase, but there hasn't been an increase in prices from the Pokemon company since I've owned the store for the last eight years. So I, I guess it was due, right? And everything gets a little bit more expensive as we go along. And we've seen price increases from, on things like Settlers of Catan and Carcassonne and Ticket to Ride and... Uh, Magic and, and Pokemon and or, uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! All those games that we've seen price increases on, we finally got a price increase uh, that happened for Pokemon. I guess it, they held out longer than almost everybody else, but... They're probably making enough money where they could. Now, is this a global rise in price, or just the overseas version of the game will be increasing in price? It's a, definitely an increase. For, I'm talking about for American prices. Okay. I, I have no idea what the prices of Pokemon are in other countries. I know that there are definitely some countries. There was an announcement that I saw that Pokemon, the TCG, was going into China for the first time. Interesting. A lot of card games don't go into China because of there's still a lot of issues with um, copyright and trademark infringement. And I don't know how they're doing it. But they they announced yeah they announced that they're going to release Pokemon TCG in China, and I know that Chinese Magic cards are significantly less expensive than they are in America. Really? Yeah. Well, it's in large part because um, they're. Well, I don't really know what it is. It's because they're, they're because Magic cards are only printed in either America or Japan. Again, because of the copyright issues, I don't know why they're less expensive. I just know they're less expensive in China. That's interesting. It must maybe it's just the price point that people can afford, but huh? Maybe an issue that we can bring up on another podcast. Yeah, talk about it. Swing it around. Yeah. Um, but speaking of uh, our other news items, there is one big piece of news I still wanted to mention because you are a P- Darrington Press provider. I did want to throw out that there was some more news that came from. Uh, Critical Role, uh, their animation adventure has been doing very, very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, people have loved the first season of Critical Role, uh, and that's followed Vox Machina, uh, so much so that they are creating a 
new show based on the second campaign, which is known as the Mighty Nine. Mm-hmm. In yeah, EIM. we're in the we're in season two of Vox Machina right yep. now. Episodes are dropping. Um, I have not watched any of season two. Have you watched season two? I am all caught up. Okay, I was waiting to be uh, wait till they were done so I could binge it because I anymore it's so annoying to have to wait for episodes to come out. <laughs> Here's what I'm going to say. I, I will give props to whoever made this decision at Amazon. They're dropping them three at a time. Oh, did and that they? is that is such a good number. Yeah, there are technically six episodes out right now. Oh, I didn't even realize that. I yes. knew that they did three on the first wave, and I thought it was just going to be onesies after that. That's what I assumed as well, but I was very happy to see when I came in a few days ago that there was another three episodes waiting. And I feel like that is now becoming the happy chunk that I want to digest. I want three episodes. In fact... Just give me a movie every week. That's all I need. Just an hour and a half of a show, and I'm good to go. Yeah, we've talked about before that um, I I have not watched season one. I've not been watching Critical Role, mm-hmm. but I have read all of the Critical Role origins, all the graphic novels, um, and I and I really enjoyed season one quite a bit. And I feel like, but season one and season two, I am now caught up with. Um, all of the original storyline from yes. from Critical Role, so I don't have to go back and watch them because they're four hours each, and I just I can't do it. My wife does it, and I don't know how. She's amazing. Uh, I will say, though, that they have made a few edits to this season. Uh, at this point in time, the character played by Ashley Johnson named Pike, Ashley Johnson has taken a job in New York, I believe, to be on a television show. So she was only few and far between in the actual recordings of the podcast, or however you want to label it. However, in the animated show, they have reintegrated her character to be still part of the major action and rewriting history to make sure that she's included. I was to say, Pike was not in season one very much at all. Correct. Okay. I was like, unless I'm completely re- misremembering that. She, they, they recognized that she had dipped out in season one for a while and gave her her own kind of side plot to go through of her finding her own faith, which worked really well. But in season two, it was kind of the same thing. They said, no, we're going to get you back in there. We want you to be a part of the story. And so they were willing to rewrite their own lore to include it, which was interesting. Uh, They also have definitely changed a few origin stories of certain magical items. Uh, They've brought in some uh, great guest stars that were also people from uh, the podcast when they were recording it. Yeah. So it's been really fun to watch. My wife, who's a huge critter, whether she admits it or not, absolutely loved it. She pauses it to tell me what's different or what's changed. So she's in it to win it. And it's really good to see that we're going to get even more of that as well with this Mighty Nine, which I think, from what little I know, the Mighty Nine, I think, appeals to me a little bit more than Vox Machina. But that's just me. Kelly's best friend, Laura, has been a critter since the very beginning Mm -hmm. as well. And Kelly's like, I just don't understand. And, I mean, you know, Laura's playing Spelljammer now as well. Yes. And so it's funny that uh, Kelly's best friend is also kind of a, a big nerd as well. <laughs> she can't escape it. Yeah. Kelly's she's, life is intertwined, surrounded. hemmed in before and behind. She's surrounded. You know, now here's another piece of news that came out for um, Critical Role as well. And this one you, I don't think you know, because how would you? How would I? Um, this is more the retail side of things as well. So. Darrington Press Guild is the name of the program that Red Raccoon Games has been a part of since the very beginning, since they launched it. And they just got a new channel manager. They hired uh, Katie Louther, who has been the channel manager and very successful at growing 
um, their operations for the OP or USA Opley, as we still would like to call them, because the OP is a line of um, uh, uh, ocean clothing from my childhood. So, but uh, Katie Lowther just joined the team over at Darrington Press too, and so that's going to mean I think that we're going to see a significant amount of growth in what they have available for stores and how they work with stores too. That should be really good. One of the things that that they already did is they lowered, and this is this is vaccine stuff from the game store, but the Darrington Press used to have a $500 minimum order, and that's $500 at our cost, and that's that's big. That's a lot of stuff, and we would have a hard time meeting that $500 minimum order especially when they were out of the bigger ticket items that sell the most often at the store, which is the board game Ukatoa or the, um, the, the Taldori Reborn book. Yes. When they were out of stock of both of those, $500 is a lot of dice bags or a lot of whatever else we could come up with from Darrington Press. So them lowering their minimum order down to $250 is going to make it a lot easier for us to get more often restocks of the smaller item stuff. And a lot of times where that's going to have a direct effect for our customers is the lead times on people who want critical role clothing. Yes. We, we have a lot of folks who special order it. We don't really carry it in the store very much because having every piece of clothing with all the sizing options would take up way more space than we have available. But if you see a new shirt announced or you see a vest or whatever you might be interested in, you'll also notice that Red Raccoon staff on a regular basis wearing Critical Role clothing because um, we can get them all. You can just ask at the store and say, I would like that shirt in this size and we can get those special orders put in for you as well. And it's usually almost just the same amount of time frame as if you order direct. And now we're hoping it's going to be a little bit faster even because we'll be able to put in more frequent orders because they lowered that limit on us. To their credit, my wife has ordered multiple things from Critical Role, from clothing to makeup to just little odds and ends. Everything has been quality. Their quality program must just be top-notch because they would never put out a shirt that... Uh, pills. They the the pants are always super comfy. It's just incredible the what you're getting for your order when it comes from Critical Role. And it's they, something they've been that great I, to work with. Yeah, absolutely great to work with from the very beginning. It's something where I hope more and more that places like Dimension Twenty will start following suit so that they can get merchandise that really allows them to be shown. I I have a few. Uh, pieces of merch from Dimension Twenty that I absolutely love, but I have to wear it sparingly because I, I've already like started peeling off the logo of whatever shirt I bought because I didn't put it in inside out or something along those lines. Um, so it, they really are a standard above what. Here's your clothing tip of the week, everybody. When you if you have really nice silk screen shirts, turn them inside out before you put them in the laundry machine, and yep. it will last longer before the design starts to crack. That is true. That is so true. always turn your printed shirts inside out before washing. Learn your lesson from me. Speaking of things that you can learn, um, <laughs> what is going on in the store this week, Jamie? Oh, wait, sorry. No, I jumped ahead. Let's talk about what you can buy at the store right now in the new hotness. Oh, man. So much stuff uh, has come in and out. Um, one of the big things that was in there that I was talking to Anna about yesterday is that 
we got in Nanoblocks Godzilla um, figures. So Nanoblocks are, we've had a bunch of them before and they've always been Pokemon themed. They're like micro Legos. Mm-hmm. I think the scale is either half or one quarter of the size of Lego. So if you think about the traditional Lego dot, I think it's one quarter of the size. And um, now we got them in for all the classic Godzilla characters as well. That's fantastic. And people are having a lot of fun with those right now. Jesse must be over the moon. I don't know if Jesse has gotten any of them yet or not, or if Anna is just buying everything. <laughs> I, I don't know. The other, what are those kaiju lovers? Yes. Well, and Anna, I, I'm not sure if you've ever noticed or not, she actually wears uh, Chuck Taylor shoes that she has custom painted them, and there's Godzilla on her shoes. Interesting. Yeah, I'm not sure if you ever noticed that or not. No. It's fun. She is a massive Godzilla fan, and it just kind of cracks me up. So the other big thing that I was super excited about, only because I got my copy, but not everybody got theirs, is Blood on the Clock Tower came back in stock. Now, this one slid by a lot of people's radar because it was a Kickstarter, I didn't know how it was going to go, so I only ordered like four copies of them, and they sold out in the first hour. Wow. Yeah. When I announced, hey, we got these copies of Blood in the Clock Tower, they were one hour, they were all gone. Hmm. And it is the most advanced, most options. I, I didn't even... It's a social deduction game. It is... The culmination, if you've ever played Mafia or Werewolf or The Resistance or um, any social deduction game, it's everything, all the everything that they've done, everything that's been created, all wrapped up in the one game. Interesting. And the sit down and shut up review on the game, they spent an hour and a half just talking about one game, which is fairly unusual for them. Yeah. They normally cover a lot of different products, and. The one lady said, by the end of the review, said, I think this is my new favorite board game of all time. Whoa. And the guy that was on there with, he's like, I can't say it's my favorite of all time, but I would say it is definitely in my top five now. Huh. So this it's a big party game. It's, it's not small. It's not for the faint of heart. But everything and every review from, and the only person I know directly that's played it is Chance. Um, it, Chance works at the store, of course, right? And they played it on New Year's Eve, and they said it was amazing. That they, they didn't end up playing any other games. They only played Blood in the Clock Tower over and over again for the entire night. So, pretty good review. Chance and his wow. group play a lot of board games. Um, you have, and they said it's even fun to be the, the moderator person, because a lot of times being the moderator and werewolf kind of kind of sucks. But... They're like, actually being the moderator is one of the best parts of the whole game, is being the person playing it. But it is very much a game that you've got to have, like, at least eight people to play. So that makes it a little harder to get groups together. But you can play upwards of 20 people at the same time. So kind of like, think of like a massive game of Werewolf. Um, And if you've never played Werewolf and you go to Gen Con, get a Werewolf uh, wristband and you can just play Werewolf all night. Tons of fun. (laughs) But uh, Blood in the Clock Tower, huge release. Super excited about that one. Um, one that has been, I, I actually went directly to GameFound for this that I'm seeing now on the shelf is ISS Vanguard. Mm-hmm. This is one that I've been excited about. I know Chance has gotten a chance, not Chance, sorry, Grant has gotten a chance to play and he rubs that in my face from time to time. But it is 
from what I'm told in, in experience, the idea is that you are you know, going out into space, you're part of a, a crew, but you are not taking the role of one individual. You are basically taking the role of someone who's in charge of a department. So one player plays engineering, one player plays medical or, or biological, things along those lines, and you travel from planet to planet um, using dice in order to try and get the most that you can to keep resources up, to keep morale up, while also fulfilling the missions and things along those lines. Uh, you will have crew members that are part of your department that you have to like send down on away missions. They might not come back. And there's even a, a, a folder for you to put members of the sh your ship that have died, but if you put them in certain places, you get certain bonuses at the same time. Their okay. death has taught you to be better in the future. Okay, nice. So it is very much a long-form game. Sounds very kind of similar to what you're saying, but this is probably a multi-session type thing. Uh, but I have not been able to crack into it, but every single review that I've heard, people are just saying, this is not a board game. This is just something that you play and experience at the same time. It's an experience. Okay, yes, that's yeah. cool. So it's a, it's a little different than what you might be expecting from the sound of it, but still everyone I'm, I'm hearing from says it's a good time. Now, this is not the Kickstarter version. Correct. This is what we've got on the shelf is the retail release, and there were some differences between the two of them. I can't tell you exactly what they were, but the, the Kickstarter version is going for crazy prices online already. So the, And the Kickstarter version isn't all the way out yet. Because um, you could either get it piecemeal, where you got kind of one box at a time, and it's like three or four boxes, or you could wait for it all to be packaged together. Oh, I chose okay. for it to be waited to be all packaged together, and that's why I have not received mine yet. Okay, gotcha. Um, but but Grant's friend apparently had just decided to go piecemeal. So uh, there's some amazing minis in there. There's like little dice holders that I'm definitely going to paint and use in all my other games if I need to have something that holds a d6. Um, they're adorable, it's cute, very sci-fi, and that's that's my wheelhouse for sure. Okay. I did see, and I don't know anything about this, the Yawning Portal? It's I, it's on my list of things I want to try, John, and, okay. and I was probably going to make you play it with me. <laughs> it's, um, so it's literally, it's, of course, the Yawning Portal is a famous restaurant in the realm, the Forgotten Realms, so we're back to talking about D&D a little bit. And it's uh, the Yawning Portal is the restaurant sits on the top of the shaft that leads you down into the um, uh, Dungeons of the Mad Mage, if you're playing Correct. that one. The, the, the massive dungeon that's the Undermountain. That's what I was thinking. God, I was brain, brain fried there for a second. Why can't you um, immediately remember this one obscure fact from Dungeons and Dragons, yeah. Jamie, just off the top of your head? And so for a lot of adventurers, the Yawning Portal, if you're based in Waterdeep, the Yawning Portal becomes kind of, becomes kind of your home base because you can strike out and do things above ground or you can go down into the mountain. And it, it has a, uh, a lift, a winch that you can get lowered down to the bottom of the shaft to go do exploring and you have to pay your silver to get back up ahead of time so you, you you buy a round trip to get lowered down and raise back up because they assume that you might come back in a hurry and you might not be they don't want to deal with getting payments while exactly. possibly being chased you don't chased. want to have a kiosk down there that they have to go through no yeah so this this game um, I, I, again not having played it but from what I understand is you're running the restaurant and you make you get bonus points by actually trying to deliver the right foods to the right patrons in there Interesting. that 
it somehow plays into, I think, with the shaft going down, I, I don't know. But I know that part of it is you're getting points by delivering the right foods to the right places, to the right people in the right amount of time. I, I don't have a ton more information on it, and it's definitely in the pile of games that I want to play right now. That is fantastic. My only qualm against this is, as Jamie and I have been playing Spelljammer together, we have stumbled into a bar known as the Happy Beholder that actually <laughs> is owned by a strangely happy beholder. Uh, and I would have loved that theme on this game. That's just me. But okay. yes, Yawning Porter makes a little bit more sense, I guess. Yeah, uh, I just like the idea of a, of a beholder running around delivering food. I don't know. It just feels great. Yeah. Um, now, yeah. another game that is is um, that we just got in this week, too is Marvel Zombies. Um, We got the core game in, right? So this is another Kickstarter where it's going to have multiple waves of shipping. And the core game has shipped, but nothing else. None of the other stretch goals as well. And that one's been a a massive topic of discussion all week. Because, of course, Marvel Zombies, based on the Marvel Zombies series, the comics, the, the big summertime crossover event, where... The heroes get infected by, well, everybody gets infected by, they become zombies. And some of the heroes become zombies and some of them are still in their regular hero persona um, trying to stop this contagion that's spreading across the planet. Then, of course, it got translated into uh, an episode uh, of What If uh, cartoons when Disney released the What If series. Um, And so it's a really cool crossover for Zombicide. And I think everybody is tired of hearing about how much I love Zombicide. No, I, we are going to talk a little bit more about Zombicide because okay. there's some other stuff on there. But I think one of the, the interesting correlations I want to make is that in the What If episode, the zombies, whenever they're zombified, they're brain dead. They're just running on instinct. Right. In the comic book, which is more what the Zombicide is based on, uh, actually you still retain some part of your, your mental facilities as a zombie. The more that you eat people, the clear-headed you are and the more you can do things that make sense, but the hunger eventually drives you more and more till you become more of a feral beast. They find out in the comic books, spoilers, that if you wait long enough and let, let the hunger like kind of pass over you, you don't crave human flesh anymore. Okay. But no one ever took the time to really do that. Everyone was just starving and looking to eat. In Marvel Zombie Side, that's the idea, and you have to eat people. You are a zombie. You have to eat people to keep your powers up, because if you let the hunger overtake you, you start losing your facilities. So instead of an entire massive wave of zombies coming at you, it's waves of shield agents or hydra agents, depending on which expansion you have, or Correct. just regular civilians. Or superheroes that are unzombified trying yes. to stop you. And those they take the place of the abominations. The superheroes yes. do. And that's the base mode as you play as the zombies, but because people complained and complained and complained, they did add a mode where you can play as the heroes facing zombies coming in. So you can, they want you to play as zombies and working with the hunger, which was out of the comics, but they caved to customer pressure and they did add a hero mode to the game as well. Understandably so. Gotta make that money. I will say other facts in Zombieside, or other boxes that are in Zombieside are not only the Thundercats, which my wife got me for my birthday and I was very happy for that. Uh, Thundercats add-on. Not part of Marvel Zombies. Thundercats is for Zombieside Black Plague. Or Green Horde. Or Green Horde. But the other ones that are come out for straight Zombieside is Batman Metal. Yes. So this is kind of a weird one if you don't know the lore, but Basically a few, I guess it would be years now, uh, Batman 
was going on an investigation about all these different weird metals that are in the universe and kind of the correlation of how they go to other alternate realities. And what we got was evil Batman coming from alternate realities. Uh, you had a Batman that stole the speed force from the Flash. Uh, you had a Batman that injected himself with a doomsday uh, DNA in order to fight Superman. All of them eventually turned evil in their universe and are led by the Batman who laughs, the Batman who also became the Joker. Yeah. So if you want to add a little bit more spice to your game, the art on these is incredible. The minis look so nice. Uh, and I believe they all serve as abominations in your game. I don't think there are any heroes that come with it. No, there are some. Oh, so really? there's some that are only heroes, some that are only abominations, and some that can be played as either. Interesting. Yeah. I didn't know that. Okay. I guess some of them are a little bit more... There's there's one that is, if Batman got the Green Lantern ring, and I think sometimes he does some good stuff, he just sees things very black and white. There's so also a version in there that has something to do with Aquaman, or Aquawoman. Yes, it is a female Batman that took up the mantle after Batman died, I believe. I didn't follow that one as clearly. There's one that's even based on, like, Cyborg. It's, I mean, it's pretty much if the Justice League all were Batman, this is what it would look like. This all makes way more sense, but I'm still disappointed because when it got announced, I really thought it had to do with Batmetal, the YouTube <laughs> videos where Batman and Robin and Red Hood and... They're all part of like a, a death, metal, death band. metal band. And if yep. you haven't seen those on YouTube, one, uh, uh, not B, safe for work. B18. B18, not safe for work, but they crack me up. Oh, okay. I was laughing. And I really thought that that's what they were doing. And I was like, well, one, that's awesome. This makes way more sense from a licensing point of view, but I'm still I'm still dream, cr- dream crushed a little bit there. Understood. Maybe we'll get someone to make your, your own custom someday. Yeah, yeah. So what would be some reasons to come in this week to check out all of this new hotness? Oh, man. Okay, big thing coming up this upcoming Friday, February 3rd. First of all, um, Tour de Chocolate is one of the biggest events in downtown Bloomington, and it starts, it runs from uh, 5 until 8 p.m. Tour de Chocolate is exactly what it sounds like. The businesses stay open late for the first Friday of the month, and pretty much everybody is giving away or selling something for chocolate. So for instance, we are gonna have um, chocolate soup. That was a mainstay from when um, Kelly and I own Kelly's Bakery and Cafe. Chocolate soup, you're only allowed to have it one time per year because it is so rich and over the top that I don't think it's good for anybody to have it more often than that from a health perspective. That's that's how, that's, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Um, and then Joel from Zeta Coffee will be in the store with us as well, and he's going to have hot chocolate and, and uh, mochas, I think. Uh, but other places like the Bistro, you, you're not allowed to give away alcohol as a bar, right? So they're going to be selling. Um, uh, Mama over at the Bistro makes the best chocolatinis. Some of the other bars are bringing in chocolate stouts. Um, and then a lot of the, most of the businesses are going to be doing just giving away a lot of various types of chocolate. It's an amazing time. I, if you're coming downtown, don't even try to find a parking spot. Just go straight to the parking garage and park yep. your car and walk around. And then you can get a map online or in the stores. It's going to be an amazing time. So that's this upcoming Friday, February 3rd. And bundle up because it looks like the weather is going to be at a high of 28 degrees. As long as it doesn't snow or one year we had an ice storm where I was trying to go over to Eaton Gallery on Center Street 
and I literally slid all the way down the hill out of control on the ice. It's as long as we don't have ice, people. We live in Illinois. It gets cold here sometimes. It's looking like it's going to be clear days, and then sadly the next day is going to be a high of forty-one degrees. So on Saturday, yes. Uh, okay, yeah, of course. Um, also, this upcoming weekend is the new release of uh, Next Magic set, Phyrexia All Will Be One. And this is getting a lot of crazy buzz right now because the Phyrexians are some of the biggest, nastiest bad guys that they've ever created. And some of the cards are just going to be bonkers to play with. Um, I don't know all the details. I just know that this staff who plays Magic can't shut up about it. They're like, did you see this one? Because the spoilers are happening. And some of the alternate art cards and the showcase cards that they made are absolutely gorgeous. The artwork is is amazing. It's creepy, but it's amazing. It's it's like somebody was like, hey, what if we channeled our H.R. Geiger kind of creepy Ooh. body art type stuff into bad guys for magic? For those of you that don't know, H.R. Geiger is the person that developed the Xenomorphs or the Alien from the Alien series. And his art then has influenced throughout that series. Yeah, I think Xenomorph meets a little Clive Barker Hellraiser type stuff. That's th- you're Now you're thinking down the right direction of where these monsters are coming from. So uh, that set looks like it's going to be super popular. Um, and uh, those that's probably two of the bigger things. We are getting ready to re- release a reimagined way to run all Pokemon in the store. We, I meant to have this news out like two weeks ago and have everything written up, and I'm just behind. Okay. Sometimes I just get busy. <laughs> well, it's kind of like you're running a store while also trying to open a new store, while also trying to be a good member of the community, while also having a social life. So I think that it's okay sometimes. It's you know, okay. Sat- this is validation for you. Yeah. You know, what's it like to run a game store? So yesterday, Saturday, I, I always open the store. I'm the first one in. I was there, it was busy, we had a great time. I got home about one o'clock and I just laid in a beanbag chair under a blanket and just laid there and played a game on my phone for like an hour and a half. I just needed to just like turn my brain off for just a little while. Mm-hmm. Turn it off and then I was up and ready to go and we went out and we had dinner and it was a good time. Was it Marvel Snap? No. Oh, disappointed. No, um, I actually have... My all my Marvel Snap character is on my other phone, and I gotta get into that phone and log in and save my progress because I didn't want to start back at level zero again. I think it automatically remembers. I don't think you have to do a manual upload. Yeah, but I never logged in uh, on the other phone. I've got to create a login to save it to the login so, so that I can transfer over. it to this phone. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. No, I'm playing. Okay. A, I was playing a game called Survivor.io. Oh, I've heard of this. It's a zombie game, and it's just like a. It's like a. It w- would have been what called in an arcades a twin stick shooter mm-hmm. of the zombies are coming at you from every direction. How long can you stay alive? And then you buy better guns as you go along. Have you ever heard of the backbone? No. So my wife and I, a friend of ours, uh, introduced us to this. It is a basically a controller that you can put your phone into. And it will automatically then give you all of the buttons that are on mainstay controllers nowadays. Dual stick, D-pad your X, Y, A, B, or whatever configuration you want. You can get it in an Xbox mode or a oh, Sony cool. mode. Uh, it works with any game. I've been playing Vampire Survivor, just the app on my phone with it. It's been great. Uh, I play remote PlayStation 5, or I play on the uh, streamable Xbox Game Pass games on my phone. It's fantastic. 
highly recommend it. Okay, if you're a gamer, cool. It, it really does save you some time. I'll have to check that out. I um, do have a couple of board games I really want to get to the table, too. So Word is you're going to have a birthday here soon, and that might take care of a few of Yeah, days. 50's coming down the barrel way too fast at this point, man. That's understandable. This is 49 this year. I am not going to be 50 this year, but my, one of my good friends turned 50 in January, and I called him, and he's like, hey, what's going on? I, I, I just started off the conversation with, God, you're old. <laughs> Do it while you got it. He's, um, like, he's like, you are 13 months younger than me. I'm like, but it's younger. 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 Uh, so uh, with that, uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, I, again, didn't have my notes ready. Uh, I'd like to thank our staff, uh, staff member who joined us today, Jamie, as hey, always. Thank I'm you here. very much. We are going to get some of our other staff members back into it once we get a little bit more of an adjustment for where we're going to be. Uh, if you want the chance to talk to Jamie or any of our other gameologists, you should come and find them at Red Raccoon Games, located in downtown Bloomington, Illinois, where, Jamie, you were telling me of a little plan that you're having for once the weather gets warmer. Oh, yeah. So uh, I am a stress eater. And so the stress of running through COVID and trying to keep everything going... I put on weight, and I believe that some of the weight that I put on is causing some of the knee problems that I've been having recently. So in an effort to get out and do more, there is a program that I am going to sign up for, and it's basically a challenge program with an app where you walk the same distance as Bilbo, not Bilbo, Frodo and Sam um, did from the Shire to Mordor. And it's broken up into chunks. Like the first chunks, you got to get to the Prancing Pony. Then you got it from Prancing Pony to um, to Rivendell, and then to Moria and stuff like that. Um, and so, with, yeah, when the weather turns nicer, I am going to create a Red Raccoon Games team, and anybody who wants to do this of your own accord can join my team. I'm doing it because I am not happy with where I am right now. And I'm hoping that this is going to motivate me to get out and just do more things, do more exercise. But I also realized that I'm not going to go walking very far when it's 20 degrees outside. So I'm going to wait to start this, and we'll talk about it more on Red Raccoon. I'm going to wait to start it till probably mid to late March where we consistently – 50 degrees is fine for me. And and so – you know, probably then we'll start making some announcements to say, if you're interested in joining the Red Raccoon team and having some camaraderie to say, there are other people who are also motivated to just go out and, and just walk. That's all you got to do. If you want to ride your bike, there's a conversion where you could say, um, you know, I think it's every X number of miles you ride equals one mile walking. You can do that as well. But it's just, I'm just going to try to be healthier for myself. Yeah, I think that there's definitely going to be uh, probably some parties for people that finish and some fun times. If yeah, we yeah. just want to do something fun, and and and, and you know, I, I want to make sure that everybody is aware that um, we're you know we're not body shaming anybody. If you're happy with yourself, I don't care. I'm just not happy with myself right now. Yep. And the I've been having some problems with both my with both of my knees and with my ankle, and I think part of that is because I. I think I put on 50 pounds during COVID. So yeah. um, I'm very tall. You might not, and everybody, a lot of times people are like, 50 pounds, where the hell did you put 50 pounds? Well, uh, I'm aware of where it's at, and it's causing me some medical issues that I want to rectify. It's a lot harder when you have to look up at somebody to figure out how 
much they weigh. That's, I guess, an optical yeah. illusion that occurs. And I've been doing really good in like 28, 2019. Kelly and I were eat, eating better and we were doing more outside. And then 2020, just everything became just a, everything went to hell in a handbasket. It was a moment in time that all of us lived through, and that is such a rare thing. Yeah. I, it's to this day. Why that that should have been when Star Trek really like a Star Trek like universe should have happened because all of us were experiencing a horrible thing all at the same time. We could have really gotten together, created a one world government, head out to the stars. We could have made it all happen, Jamie. And we missed our opportunity. We did, and and you know because Star Trek the lore is like it was World War Three. Really, exactly. I'm just hoping we don't actually have to get to that. I think I'm hoping we can turn it around before we have another world war. Exactly. If we can just skip that step, how much better would it be? I think it'd be a lot better That's off right. than like uh, you know I think what twenty something percent of the world's population died in that World War Three yep. before. Um, the first contact. So you people that are working on replicator technology that are obviously listening to this podcast, you keep yeah. on going. We believe in you. Uh, I would like to thank <laughs> Jillian Mesner for the use of our theme music. And feel free to tell us how we're doing by leaving a comment in the podcast app of your choice or come right to the source by emailing us at info at redraccoongames.com. If you throw the word podcast in the subject line, we'll do our best to give you a shout out on the show. But until next time, Keep Live playing. long and prosper. <laughs> Can we say that? Yeah. <laughs> Sue us. Sure, why not? Yeah, come at us. Okay, bye. Bye.